Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. If you open your Bibles, please, to Genesis chapter 21. And uh, before, let's just pray to God. Father, thank you so much for being a God of light. Lord, the Lord is the light of my soul. You're the light of our souls this morning, Lord. And so as we come to you and we open this book, the book of light, we pray, illumine us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Genesis chapter 21, beginning at verse 8. Genesis 21, 8, okay? And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. Wherefore, she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. And God said unto Abraham, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman. In all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice." For in Isaac shall thy seed be called, and also of the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation, because he is thy seed. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the, in the wilderness of Beersheba. Okay, now you remember that in our last study we saw this was really a happy time. It was a very happy occasion here in the life of Isaac. This was really a celebration of life here with Isaac and the weaning of Isaac. I mean, there was, uh, you know, Abraham and Sarah had looked at themselves and said, we're dead. We're just dead. And now there's life. There's Isaac. And it was the weaning of Isaac. And it was a time of, of, of great, great happiness and celebration as the promised child had come But this whole celebration had become, really, from Sarah's words here, a time of a declaration of death. There was a declaration of death. That's what she did. And we saw how it all started when Sarah saw Isaac mocking, uh, sorry, saw Ishmael mocking Isaac. That's what she saw. And after our study last time, Clinton came up to me and he said, he said, you know, I think you got it wrong because I had said that Ishmael was 14 years old. And Ishmael was 14 years old when Isaac was born. But Isaac's now weaned and is probably about three or, three or maybe four years later. So we can really say that Ishmael at this time was around 17 years old. So at the weaning celebration here, Sarah sees 
Ishmael, who let's, who, who let's just say, he's around 17 years old, and he's mocking Isaac. She sees that. And she became, as we saw, absolutely enraged. She was incensed. She was uncontrolled. And she vents all of her anger toward Abraham, as we saw from those four words in, in verse 10, wherefore she said unto Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with, with, with my son, even Isaac, with Isaac. So she demands that Abraham throw him out like trash, throw him out, throw out Hagar, throw out Ishmael. And you notice in verse 10 how Sarah has gone out of her way to divorce herself from Ishmael by calling him these names. He calls, he calls him is a, this, this, this bondwoman and her son, and the son of this bondwoman, these names. And we can see in Sarah's words that Sarah's really pushing Ishmael away and calling him not just the son of Hagar, not just the son of the bondwoman, but she chooses her words carefully. She calls him the son of this bondwoman. And not just any bondwoman, but this bondwoman. This bondwoman who, when she despised me, she took, she tried to take my place as wife. And not only do we feel this rage that Sarah's in and this jealousy that's so hot with her, but we feel all the despising and the rejecting that Sarah has, has mustered against Hagar and against Ishmael. And you notice in verse 10 how this sets Ishmael, Sarah is really setting Ishmael away, she's setting Ishmael away from Isaac, her son. She calls Isaac her son. And so in verse 10, the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. So when we look at Sarah's words in verse 10, the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac, we see a woman who could not be more rejecting of Ishmael as as a son of her husband, as a son of Abraham, or really isn't as her son. And let's just freeze that picture of Sarah for a moment here and think about what we're looking at. What are we seeing? Be, you know, before we go any further with this, we just want to sort of divert a little bit and just say a, a few comments on how we've been studying the Bible and say a little bit about what is really the best way to treat this book. I mean, how do you study the Bible? That's a common question. What's the best way to learn from the Bible? How's the best way to learn from the Bible? As believers, this is a great book for us. The Bible is a great book. It's not from men. We understand that. It's from God. As it says in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, where Paul said, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. So it's the book that's the word of God. It's the book that works in us when we receive it as the word of God. It does something in us. It changes us. In this book, we find life. We've been born again by the Bible. That's what it says in 1 Peter 2, 1.23, where it says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. The Bible is the book the Spirit of God uses in our lives. He brings us personal messages to, from the Lord Jesus Christ that brings us life, and that's what he meant when he said in John 6.63, it's the Spirit that quickeneth, or that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. 
So here's Sarah. She's 100%, we're stepping back now, we're looking at the situation again. She's 100% divorcing herself from Ishmael. And she's saying, I want nothing to do with Ishmael, nothing at all to do with him. He's not son of Abraham, he's the son of this bondwoman. And, and as we see Sarah doing this, we can imagine Sarah clutching Isaac and saying, not with Isaac, not with Isaac. You know, that's what she's doing. And so as we're looking at this scene, we keep this in mind and we think back on another scene that we've studied. You might want to turn to that in, in Genesis 16, 1 through 2. So it's the first two chapters of that verse, of that chapter, the first two verses of that chapter, chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. Now, this is a different scene. And this scene, which says, now Sarah, it says in Genesis 16, 1 through 2, now Sarah, Abram's wife, bare him no children. She had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said unto Abram, behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be, now look what she says. It may be, I may obtain children by her. In other words, what was going to be born from Hagar was going to be Sarah's children. And, and, and Abram hearkened to her voice. It hearkened to the voice of Sarah. The Sarai, this is what it says. So there we saw that Sarah's proposal was that I may obtain children by her. So she proposed that say Abraham make this baby with Hagar so that Sarah could obtain the children by her. That'd be Sarah's children. Sarah's idea was that Ishmael would be Sarah's son. And, and, and with Hagar, she was just a surrogate mother in the whole affair. Now, as we look at this scene in Genesis 16.2 and the scene we're studying in Genesis 21.10, we ask the question, what happened? What? Where's the disconnect here between the Genesis 16 and the Genesis 21? How could Sarah go from Genesis 16, Ishmael's going to be my son, to Genesis 16.2, so Genesis 21.10, to Ishmael's the son of this bondwoman? What happened? And by the way, before we leave, this verse here in Genesis 16, 2. And take a note there where at the end where it says, and Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarah. It wasn't his idea. So what we see here is that Sarah has done very, very wrong. And why has Sarah done wrong? Because Sarah did what was not to do, told in Proverbs 3, 5, where it says, trust not, you know, it says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. So, and then in Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, God says, my thoughts, they have nothing to do with your thoughts. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways, neither are my ways, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. My thoughts, nothing to do with your thoughts. Your ways, nothing to do with my ways. For as the heavens higher than the earth, so my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. God's thoughts were not Sarah's thoughts. Sarah's thoughts were that she needed to solve the problem of the infertility in the home, God's thoughts were not that Sarah should solve the problem of the infertility in their home. God's thoughts was that God was going to solve the infertility problem. And Sarah's ways was that she should use Hagar as a surrogate mother. And God's ways were not that Hagar should be used as a surrogate mother. I just heard of a Christian couple we know for a long time this week where the wife left her husband and is now dating other men. And he begged and begged and begged and says, you know, don't leave. The Christians, you know, don't leave. Why are you leaving? Why are you leaving? And she answered the gave. The, she gave the answer. It's just like this. She said, uh, because I'm not happy being married to you, is what she said. And then she said, and God wants me to be happy. 
That's what you said. <laughs> so, okay. Now, her thoughts that she needs to make herself happy are not God's thoughts. And her ways of leaving her husband and dating other men are not God's ways, very simply put. Now, look now, go back to Genesis 21 and the verse 11, where again we read in verse 11, and the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. Now, the word translated thing, the thing, it, it, it's not really thing, you know. It's debar, it's, it's a bar, which means word or saying. You know, it's the name the Jewish people give to the book of Deuteronomy, debarim, the sayings. So it was the saying, that what she said, it wasn't the thing, it was the, thing, the saying that she said, it was because that was very distressing to Abraham. It's what she said that, that was disturbing. Okay, so her words, Sarah's words, they just cut right to the bone of Abraham. You can't imagine. And in fact, it says, very grievous in his sight. And the word sight there, it's not normally how the word is translated. Sight normally means in the face. It actually, this word in Hebrew means the eye. It was, in the, it was very, very, very disturbing in his eye, in Abraham's eye. And that means that Sarah's words were right in Abraham's eyes. He couldn't get them out of his eyes. Sarah's words shattered Abraham. Sarah's words were wicked to Abraham. Sarah's words dashed him in pieces, as we saw from Psalm 2. And he couldn't get away from Sarah's words. They were in his eye. They haunted him. And Abraham was just in a terrible state. And we see Abraham was very grieved over what she'd said. He, Abraham was, was very grieved. You know, so there's a problem for Abraham. You know, he, he was, he, Abraham was very grieved when Pharaoh took Sarah away, so he was grieved when he didn't have Sarah, and now he's grieved when he does have Sarah. He's in a bad position. He could say to her, he could say, how can you be so beautiful and cause me so much grief? He could say that to her. He could say, how can a person bring me so much joy and so much grief? You know, he could say, I can't live with you and I can't live without you. He said, anyway, so even with such a beautiful wife, that Sarah was not enough to satisfy Abraham's heart. And we, maybe, men, we may have found the most wonderful women on earth. She's not enough to satisfy our heart like Abraham. We need God. And ladies, you may have found Mr. Right, and, and he's not enough to satisfy your heart. Ladies, you may have found Mr. Right, but you didn't know that his first name was always. Huh? <laughs> All right, so the question for us, how did Abraham keep his sanity? How did this man Abraham keep his sanity how did he do this with these words of Sarah commanding him that he should send out into the desert of death Hagar and his son? How? How could he keep his sanity? He keeps his sanity by remembering the lessons in his life in the past. When he lost his wife because of his own foolishness and his lie to Pharaoh, he was in a terrible state of mind. And God came to the rescue. And when he lost his wife the second time because of the same lie, the same foolish lie to Abimelech, he was in a terrible state of mind. And God came to his rescue. And so now Abraham is in a terrible state of mind. And what does he do? He does something very, very wise. And people think he's wise for doing this. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't say anything back to Sarah. He doesn't fight with Sarah. He just turns to God. That's the beauty of the first few words of verse 12. And God said unto Abraham, let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad, because of the bondwoman. Verse 10, she said unto Abraham. Verse 11, the thing was very grievous. Verse 12, God said to Abraham. Oh, that was great to hear God speak in the midst of all of this terrible situation. And these verses show us that God is monitoring 
the troubles that Abraham goes through. He's monitoring the troubles that we go through. And then he comes to our help just at the right time. You know, just when I need him most, Jesus is near. Just when I falter, just when I fear, ready to help me, ready to cheer, just when I need him most, just when I need him most, Jesus is near to comfort and cheer just when I need him most. And this was just when Abraham needed him most. So we step back and we look at Abraham and we can ask the question, what has Abraham learned as he's seen the, all this happen in his life and he's considered it well and he's stepping back also. We're stepping back looking at them. He's stepping back looking at everything around, Sarah and so forth. And as he steps back and he, he looks, he says, you know, I was foolish. I was foolish with Pharaoh and Abimelech. And he looks and he, on Sarah and, 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 and he says, she's foolish. She is foolish to make that proposal to have the baby with Hagar and now to send them out into the desert of death. And he steps back and he learns the lesson of John 15, 5, where the Lord said, I'm the vine. You are the branches. You can almost hear the Lord saying, when are you ever going to get this right? (laughs) How many times do I have to say this already? He said, no, he didn't say that. But anyway, very patient. It says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, same brings forth much fruit. And then he says, for without me, you can do nothing. And you can hear him saying that. Do you have that already? For without me, you can do nothing. So Jehovah Jesus is the vine. Abraham and Sarah are the branches. If they abide in Jehovah Jesus, the Jehovah Jesus is in them, then they're going to bring forth much fruit. But without Jehovah Jesus, Abraham can do nothing. Without Jehovah Jesus, Sarah can do nothing. And as Abraham thinks about how he learned all these lessons and the understanding and so forth, and he begins to see a very clear picture. He thought about Abraham, he thought about Sarah devising for her to have the baby and so forth like that. Now, but just now, Abraham is in this destroyed state of mind by what Sarah has said. And and the repeated description of this comes across to us so clearly in verse 11 and 12. Very grievous in Abraham's sight or his eye. And then God speaks, don't let it be grievous in your sight or your eye. It's a description that this was, like we said, this is in Abraham's eye. And we all know what it's like to get something in our eye, right? Like a very sharp, very small, sharp piece of dirt. It's painful. Our eye waters, and all we can think about is, I got to get it out of my eye. That's why I wear these glasses, so nothing gets in my eye. (laughs) Because when something's in your eye, it doesn't matter what you're doing. You are debilitated. You are incapacitated. You know, you may be a gladiator in the Roman Forum, the Roman whatever they had there, and, and you, when something gets in your eye, that's not a good day. You are crippled. No matter what we're trying to do, no matter what we're trying to think about, when something gets in our eye, we've got to get it out of our eye. And Sarah's words to cast out Ishmael and Hagar were in Abraham's eye like a sharp piece of dirt. And Sarah's words were like fire inside of Abraham. The more he thought about them, the more he became upset. And we've all been there. We've all been there where we the harsh words have been said and some, or something's been done. And, and like Abraham, it's like a fire inside of us described in Proverbs 30, 16. The fire that saith not, it is enough. The fire doesn't say it's enough. The fire doesn't say that. The fire says it's not enough. So no matter how much we think about it, it's like a fire 
It's, it's not been thought enough again, thought about enough. You know, like Abraham, we can't think about anything else. The more it occupies our mind, the more it wants to occupy our mind. No matter how much we worry about it, like a fire, it hasn't been worried over enough. The more we worry about it, it cries out, worry more. No matter how much we fight back, like a fire, we haven't fought back enough. And Sarah's words were like this fire inside Abraham. Abraham, he's a crying out. Abraham, it's not enough. There's a fire, you know, the fire is saying, I haven't broken Abraham enough. A fire, I haven't destroyed Abraham enough. And Sarah's words in Abraham's eye were saying, Abraham, you haven't worried about this enough. You haven't, you haven't set the record straight enough. And, and you haven't defended your, your son, Ishmael, Hagar, enough. And when it says in verse 11, the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight, it's a statement that Abraham was just destroyed by Sarah's words. Abraham was helpless to get this fire out alone by himself. He was helpless to get Sarah's words out of his eye by himself because Abraham needed God. He needed God to get the words out of his eye and he needed God to put the fire out. And now we see in verse 12 that God is coming. He's coming to Abraham's rescue and he says in verse 12, he says, let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of the bondwoman and all that Sarah said unto thee, hearken unto her voice and Isaac shall thy seed be called. So God's words of rescue were a command Don't let this be uh, irritation in your eye, grievous in your sight. You know, his words, let it not, show us that God was saying to Abraham, you have a choice in this matter. You have a choice. You're going to allow or you're not going to allow. And so God said, let it not, God is saying. Don't let it, this is what he's saying. Don't let those words destroy you. And right away, of course, Abraham, we say, how? How am I supposed to do this? You know, I mean, I I try and I sit down, all the good intentions, and it doesn't work. How am I supposed to to, to not let this destroy me, her words destroy me? All right? So so Abraham is, I mean, after all, Abraham has just heard Sarah order him, send your son and Hagar into the desert of death. And now God's saying, don't let it bother you. So, and if we were Abraham, we'd say, my wife is ordering me to kill my son, in essence, and Hagar, and that's not supposed to bother me? How am I supposed to not be bothered by that? And, so, and God hears Abraham's question, and he's saying to Abraham, Abraham, if you let me take you by the hand, I'll lead you out of your state of shatteredness. I'll, 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 let me take you, let me take you by hand, let me lead you. And Abraham is willing to let God take him by the hand and lead him. So the next step, God in essence is saying to Abraham for him, now Abraham, listen very carefully. This is gonna be the process of how I'm gonna lead you out of this state. Listen very carefully. And to follow my rescue, it's very important to listen to what I'm saying. And and, and as we follow it, it's very important that we also, of course, listen, but we we focus on the titles. This this chapter is all about titles. This passage here is all about titles. So in verse 10, what title has Sarah given to Ishmael? We only said it a million times. Okay, very good. The son of this bondwoman, right? Okay. In other words, not Abraham's son, son of this bondwoman. Okay. In verse 11, what title is Abraham uh, given to, his, to Ishmael? His son. his son. Okay, his son. 
So now we have two conflicting titles given to Ishmael. Sarah writes them off, rejects them. Says, ah, his title is nothing, son of this bondwoman. And Abraham doesn't agree with Sarah. He says, no, title, you know, you, you, that title for that boy is my son, my son. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. You're invited to join the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California for the second annual Taste of Creation Benefit Dinner and Silent Auction. It's Saturday, June 4th at 6.30 p.m. This benefit dinner is in support of the Life and Light Foundation Ministries of the Creation and Earth History Museum, Israel Restoration Ministries, and the Friendship with God Radio Ministry. Come experience a fantastic food-themed night at the Creation Museum, and we'll have great guest speakers with Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor and Dan Sered, director of Israel's Jews for Jesus. We'll have an amazing night of auction items, so if you would like to attend, or if you're a local business or person that would like to donate and sponsor with a product or service in support of the Creation Museum auction on Saturday, June 4th at 6.30 p.m., then call us with your support or to reserve a seat. 619-599-1104. 619-599-1104. Or creationsd.org. Creationsd.org.